So welcome to our Heads, Heads Up series podcast. And it's, it's a pleasure to have with us this morning, Gareth Dudes, the headmaster of King's School Worcester, but also the CEO of the King's Foundation. Now, Gareth, I think I'm right in saying you began your career as a head at Milton Abbey School in Dorset, which actually is my home county as well. So how did you enjoy your time there? And how was it in that first headship? I think it was a challenge, as all first headships are. And I think uh, when you first uh, go out as a, a school leader, you have these grandiose ambitions and uh, uh, a massive amount of self-belief, which uh, is probably misplaced at the early start of your career. I think one of the most important things I learned at Milton Abbey was uh, to become uh, someone who listened more than I spoke. Um, and what I've discovered through my leadership roles over the years is that um, the way in which a school can develop and the way in which a school can uh, be enhanced isn't necessarily solely through the uh, vision or the ambition of the head, but to make sure that you're listening closely to the mood music, the rhythms and the opinions of your colleagues, parents and pupils, all of whom have a far greater understanding of the way in which the school works and all of whom will have a good idea about how it can be progressed forward. I mean, obviously, this is a challenging time for so many people at present. So I suppose, how are you and how is the King's Worcester community at the moment? The, the King's Worcester community, I think, is extraordinarily resilient. Um, and having taken on the headship in September 2020, I was faced with the challenges that every school leader would have faced, which was variable and changing advice from the DfE, the uh, need to make sure that we're providing as seamless a education provision as possible, the need to make sure that we're looking out for scared and vulnerable staff. And I found it invigorating in many ways to come into a school and to provide solutions with my leadership team and staff, but also frustrating in as much that I have felt that since the pandemic came into play uh, back in February, March time, um, in my previous school at Dover and also here, I have found myself simply crisis managing day after day after day. And the frustrating thing as a new head is that we will want to, as I said earlier, have opportunities to listen, to talk, to discuss, to reflect and to plan ahead strategically over a number of years. But at the moment, I feel that we're not having the chance to do that. Um, and so I am very much looking forward to a time when I am going to see staff back in the common room, that I'll be able to talk to them without having to speak to them on Zoom or on Teams, and really get under the skin of my school, whilst also making sure that I'm able to field and listen to the opinions of both my senior pupils in the school um, and also the most junior pupils in my two prep schools as well. It's um it's another connection that you and I have is that we've we've taken up our our current roles at a at an interesting time. I, I, I took over here at St Edwards on the 4th of April. That date will always stay in my mind two weeks after the, the start of that national lockdown. Um, and obviously you in September and and I share that the fact that we're sat here now and we both haven't had the chance to 
have a staff meeting, to meet our staff face to face, to have those opportunities to to meet parents and students, you know, all, all the time is is really frustrating. I think in all my time in in school leadership and. Um, I'm privileged to have had a number of roles, as, as you have. I've always been struck by the, um, the the kindness and the support that I've received from fellow school leaders. But but I also think it's important to to also um, mention those associations that I've been and you've probably been a part of. The for, for me, the Catholic Schools Independent Conference, the Independent Schools Association, Society of Heads, HMC. They're all fantastic associations and, and networks. So what? What would you say has helped you in this time and during this time in terms of your role as a school leader? I'd be very fortunate to have a very supportive group of governors who've been understanding of the challenges. And um, what I found over the last term and a half especially has been the support from governors who have themselves been school leaders who start a conversation with, I'm so pleased I'm not a school leader at the moment, and then we'll do everything possible to help and support uh, in and listen. And I use, for example, one, one of my governors was an extraordinarily senior HMC head for many years. Um, and I spent an hour on the phone to him yesterday. And uh, you know, he said to me, how are you? How are you? Just talk to me. How are you at the moment? And I said, well, I'm, uh, I'm okay. I get up in the morning. I come into work I, I tend to grunt at my wife and my wife grunts at me and we put our children into their school clothes and send them in as key workers because my wife also works in a school not King's but another school um, and then I come home late at night and uh, I grunt at my wife and I don't have the opportunity as I would do normally to to um, what what Jess affectionately calls de-bunny you know which is just to to, to let off steam to, to listen to some of my favorite music or to go and play squash or to go for a run because I just can't be bothered because I'm so totally um, engrossed in what's happening at school and so worried about the way in which we're going to be delivering certain bits of legislation or how exams are going to be or things like that. So being able to speak to a governor about that sort of thing is helpful because he will then be able to explain to those governors who aren't educationists, who look at it from the outside from a business point of view uh, and explain that the sheer emotional toll which I think leadership at this time takes on. And, you know, us as school leaders are required to be the weather setters. You know, we are the ones who are, are, are required quite rightly to make sure that we are leading by example. And that's even more important at times like this, making sure that we are consistently, effervescently positive, making sure that we are able to um, give many platitudes to people who are feeling low to give them the support they need. But it doesn't mean to say that when we shut our study doors, having uh, spoken to staff either um, at a distance or on Zoom, that the stories they tell us about the hardships they're facing or the fact that, you know, one of my uh, pupils has uh, in great, is in great grief due to a loss due to COVID or you know, staff members having COVID or whatever it might be, it doesn't mean to say that as we come and shut the door of our study, we don't find ourselves weeping. And it's happened to me on a number of occasions. I've sat in the sofa in my study and just wept, but have gone out and brushed myself down and thought, no, we're going to crack on with this. This is important. And when it comes to support in terms of governorship and, you know, staff members and 
teachers who are who are here, the senior leadership team. I've been well supported by um, friends and uh, the membership uh, body of both the Society of Heads and also HMC, which I'm I'm members of both. Um, member of Society of Heads because it's a great organisation which has looked after me after 10 years, member of HMC clearly because we're a, um, a very large and leading independent school. Um, but it's, it's, it's a group which has supported me, which is unofficial, far more than any other group. Um, there's a, uh, a WhatsApp group called the Head Support Group, which um, I, I founded um, after a boozy conversation at conference once, where I was speaking to, I can't remember who I was speaking to now, I think it was Simon Smith and to Erfan and a few others. Uh, from the Tief who, who runs DLD, who I believe is going to be in one of your heads up um, talks. Um, and we thought, why don't we just get a WhatsApp group going of heads to try and support each other? So there's a group of about 35 to 40 heads who are on this group, and we will share information. And it's not just simply um, senior school heads, but it's a mixture of prep school heads. And there are heads not just simply in the UK, but you know, there's Nick Magnus, who's my great friend, who's head of Dulwich College Singapore. Um, there's Chris Seal, who's the head of uh, Shrewsbury in Bangkok. There are many others all around the world. And we create this sort of worldwide heads community where we can share those things which are going well and we share those things which aren't. And occasionally Tom Rogerson, who's head of Cottesmore School, will late at night, having clearly had a far too many sherbets, will send something inappropriate and delete it very quickly. Uh, mistaking his WhatsApp group for another friendship group that he's got of his uh, various Etonian friends that that he's uh, he's still in touch with. But the point being is that you know there is this group where we look out for each other. So I think when it comes to support and when it comes to how we can look after each other, Matthew, I think it's there's a mixture of things there. But many ways, leadership within a school can at times feel uh, lonely. Um, but I'm not feeling that loneliness because of the support that we have around us. And I don't think also we can take away from the um, importance of things like social media and uh, Twitter. And you're involved in Twitter. And I've, I set up a Twitter account about six years ago, and it seems to have um, become very popular. And, and I, I appreciate that. But I think Twitter is very important. It's not a marketing tool. It's, it's an opportunity to tell a story about who you are and what you are doing um, and an opportunity as well to provide uh, emotional uh, clarity and honesty which I think both parents and pupils will buy into not because you're trying to prove something because you don't need to do that but because you want them to see that just because we are uh, privileged to lead ancient institutions which have history and heritage going back hundreds of years that doesn't mean to say that we're not human beings who will find ourselves at the end of a stressful day uh, in tears on a sofa not having the energy to do anything but just simply to go to bed i really like the fact and you talk about this a lot the importance of family as well um my family is similar to yours my wife also works in education so both of our children are, are here in st edwards as, as children of workers and actually having having that understanding having someone within the family that you know you can talk to who has an idea of what you're going through or what your day might have been is is a phenomenal source of support to have and i i've certainly i i don't and i know you don't take for granted that importance of, of, of support for family as well um 
I, I've often shared with with people the story that um, I was always going to be a lawyer until until the age of thirteen, and um, I came across a, a history teacher. So I'm, I'm a former pupil of Prior Park, so I went to the prep school and then Prior Park College in Bath. And there, there was a history teacher there who also happened to be my housemaster, who essentially inspired me to have a career in education. I think that's so important. That you've got those those figures who who inspire you. And I I'd like to think that the the type of leader that I am, the type of teacher, because I still teach, I know it's something you you like to you do as well. Um, that the type of leader I am has been influenced in some way by those great leaders I've had the privilege to to either be taught by or, or to work with. But what made you want to become a school leader? It goes back to when I was 12. Um, and um, it's, it's, it's a slightly obscure story. So I was at a prep school called St Andrew's Prep School at Eastbourne. Um, and my passion when I was younger was music. So I... Um, I mean, I, I was I was a relatively good sports. Well, I wasn't actually a brilliant sportsman. As a prep school, I could hardly hit a cow's ass with a banjo. To be honest with you, so I I I, I was I was into music and drama and, and loved that sort of thing. And so when I was eleven, twelve, my uh, prep school headmaster, a, a very um, I thought an extraordinary tall man, until I met him a few years ago when I realised he wasn't called Hugh Davis Jones, who was the most extraordinary. Um, practitioner and, and and was the leading prep school head of his generation and run IAPS and all sorts of things. He suggested I went for a music scholarship to Eastbourne College. So I went across to Eastbourne College and um, I went and played my violin and played the piano and sang and did all sorts of stuff to the director of music there. I then went for an interview uh, with the headmaster, who was a, a man called Chris Saunders, uh, who is, uh, I was at school with his two children, Johnny and Lucy. And Johnny Johnny Saunders went on to become quite a famous sports presenter on BBC Radio 2 um, and is now a, a schoolmaster um, at Bradfield. Uh, but Chris Saunders um, uh, was the head there. And if you can imagine sort of a very clubbable, extraordinarily friendly, loving, kind man, uh, he interviewed me. And I have no recollection of coming out of the interview, but apparently I got into my mother's car that was outside of the headmaster's office area and she said to me uh, so you know so Gareth how did it go and apparently I said to her and I can't remember saying this but apparently I said to her um, I don't know how it went but when I grow up I want to be a headmaster and I was 12 um, and that's been it ever since and it's a very and, and you know I'm uh, I remember when when I finished at um, uh, at Eastbourne you had to fill in a yearbook and it said you know what you have all your things you've achieved and all the rest of it. And, and, and then it asks you what you're going to do when you're older. Um, and uh, I, I put down one of three things. I was either going to be a, uh, a priest or a politician or a headmaster. Um, and um, I think that being a headmaster, I am a priest and a politician and a headmaster um, because I have all those responsibilities um, whereby my faith guides me very strongly as a, a very um, uh, devout member of the Church of England. Um, I um, am clearly have to be uh, understanding the political nature of my role and the various vagaries in which we have to walk through. Um, but ultimately, as a headmaster, I see myself as a strong pastoral leader of my community um, and someone who, who will put my, the welfare of my staff 
as the most important thing, because I think if I look after my staff, my staff will look after the pupils. That doesn't negate the fact that I think that the importance of welfare of pupils is, is a priority. But when you are running an institution with 370 members of staff, you've got to make sure that they're your, your key uh, key group to look after. So, so that's that's really the journey. And I left school. I've worked in a number of different schools, um, but I, I've I've always had that ambition to to be ahead and be ahead of a um, of a of a large uh, school that's linked to a cathedral, which in many ways marries all my own personal ambitions and desires together, as well as the fact that I've got an extraordinary prep school in which I can send my two children. My son is a chorister in the cathedral. And to top it all off, I live in a house on a cathedral close where I look out of my bedroom window each morning and I see Worcester Cathedral Tower. So um, I'm in uh, seventh heaven, uh, absolutely in clover. Um, but uh, it's because of a, I think, a, an inspiring conversation uh, with a, uh, an inspiring man uh, when I was 12. I think it's always the way, isn't it? It's those conversations that, that you think of that, that at the time you don't remember or, or, or don't think much of. Um, Dennis Clark is that, is that history teacher um, that, I, that I, I mentioned earlier. Didn't mention his name, I should have done really. Um, it's interesting, Patrick Tobin was, was headmaster at um, Briar Park when I was interviewed. Um, and in fact, he never was my head because by the time I joined the school, he went up to Edinburgh to be head. And I always... But I do remember my interview with Patrick Tobin for Friar Park College. And it was a number of years later, we'd been in Jersey for a while, and I was deputy head at Dallas Hill College there, and came to be deputy head at Our Ladies in Abingdon. Um, and Patrick Tobin was chair of governance, chair of governance there. Um, and I was a little nervous. I'd flown in the night before, as you had to do from Jersey. Um, and it was a big potential move for us as a family, moving back from Channel Islands to the UK. There was a lot riding on it. I, I just I started the interview with Mr. Tobin saying, I'm, I'm delighted that, to see you here, Mr. Tobin, because I have a 100% success rate at interviews with you. Having been interviewed at 12, um, <laughs> the only time, and it, his quip was, well, yeah, we weren't particularly choosy back then, but it set the tone. <laughs> it, made it, it made me feel so comfortable. And, and, and for someone to have the gift, to, and sadly, Patrick passed away last year, but... Um, for someone to have that gift to make you feel relaxed, to feel comfortable and, and to be yourself was, is a phenomenal skill that, that not everybody has. Um, I know that you've spent time recently um, with those currently training to be teachers. Um, and this is something I hope we all can do. And I, I, tend to, I also do this with, with Bristol University in Southampton, which are two of my former universities. But perhaps I need to do something more with Gloucestershire University, um, given that where I am now. Um, but what advice would you give not only to those looking to join our wonderful profession, but also to those looking to move into leadership roles in education? I think for those who want to join the profession, I would say um, do it, try it, get on with it. Um, it's it, it's it's an extraordinary privilege to teach, and <clears throat> unfortunately, our, our society at times doesn't necessarily respect teaching as much as I think it should you know the old adage those who can those who you know those who can do those who can't teach is something which sometimes uh, is repeated to me by my uh, uh, friends who I was at school with who I uh, then remind them of the glories of the job I've got now and where I live and that soon shuts them up um, but the 
I would say no. They, so anyone wanting to join the profession, I'd say, you know, do it. But also something I've said to um, prospective PGCE pupils and students, and we're, we're um, linked closely to, to Worcester University here, PGCE course. And it's something where I'm giving regular talks to and question and answer sessions. Um, is I, I, I don't think that PGC pupil students or potential students uh, quite realise just how open we are as heads to being contacted and being uh, having having conversations about the jobs or coming to have a go at teaching or whatever it might be. I don't. I, th I think I think the more we can be open about that, I think the better it's going to be. And I think there's something very special on that front, um, and we need to make sure we celebrate that and trumpet that. Now, for those who are aspiring to be school leaders, um, I would say that there is something very magical about being a head. Um, but I think that we have to be very honest with ourselves as school leaders. When I first became a head um, down in Dorset, I think I was appointed to the job and thought I then had to be a head or had to pretend to be the type of head I thought a head should be. So I probably went into it thinking, right, well, this is how I think a headmaster should be. Uh, and actually, my chair of governance, who was a fantastic man called James Barnes at the time, uh, and James took me aside after two terms. He said, listen, you know, you're doing a great job, he said, but we appointed you because you're you. We didn't appoint you because we, you thought you should put on some sort of act of what you thought a head should be. And that was very wise advice. And therefore, what I've tried to do ever since probably failed more than I've succeeded. But I think having having done it now for 10 years, I think that I'm very comfortable in my own skin and being able to do this is just be myself in everything I do, whether that is uh, speaking to pupils, speaking to staff, giving addresses to uh, assemblies, speaking in church, whatever it might be, giving chapel addresses, all those sorts of things. I would just say, you know, to thine own self, be true. Don't, don't do anything but put yourself into your role. Because by doing so, you will be transparent, but you'll be honest to yourself, you'll be honest to God, and you'll be honest to your pupils. And they want to see that. They don't want, I don't think, some sort of apparatchik, aloof leader who doesn't laugh at people's jokes and just comes over as being a bit of a pompous ass. They want somebody who's going to be human, who's going to smile and who's going to empathize and who's going to sympathize and who's going to be able to admit mistakes because something we do as heads is we, we make mistakes more often than we make right decisions. And if we do make mistakes, we have to admit to it. So I'd say to be to, to their own self be true in all you do, but also as any prospective uh, school teacher, if anyone wants to get involved in it, don't underestimate the fact the profession really wants to look out for future teachers and will do all they can to help and support them as well. That's brilliant. Listen, Gareth, I just want to take the opportunity to thank you so much for your, your time. I know it's really precious at the moment, but um, it's been so good to hear your thoughts on, on leadership and particularly at this really challenging time for us all um, during this, this worldwide pandemic. Um, it's certainly come across to me, but I knew this before, your, your passion, your enthusiasm, but also your genuine love um, has come across so clearly. And I really would like to take this opportunity to wish you and your school community luck as we continue to navigate through these challenges waters. 
But thank you so much for your time. It's really very much appreciated. Matthew, thank you to you and all the best wishes to St Edwards as well.